Hello, I'm Joanne, and you're listening to a bonus episode called Anna's Letters by Lucy Maud Montgomery. You can listen to this whole story and other bonus episodes with ad-free listening by becoming a premium member. It takes less than 30 seconds to sign up at driftoff.supercast.com, or you can find the link in the show notes. That's driftoff.supercast.com. Thank you so much for your support. Tonight I will be reading a story called Anna's Letters by Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery, written in 1908. The main theme of this lovely story hinges on the writing and receiving of letters. It takes us back to a time when handwritten letters not only held news of family and friends, but also held the power to change lives. And so, as always, my friend, settle in comfortably under the covers. Take a full, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, relax and let go. Allow any tension to just melt away. Letting your body sink deeper and deeper down into the softness of your bed. There is nothing else to do and nowhere else to be. So just lie back, relax, and enjoy the story. Are you going to answer Gilbert's letter tonight, Anna? Asked Alma Williams standing in the pantry doorway, tall, fair, and gray-eyed, with the sunset light coming down over the dark firs through the window behind her and making a primrose nimbus around her shapely head. Anna, dark, vivid, and slender, was perched on the edge of the table, idly swinging her slippered foot at the cat's head. She smiled wickedly at Alma before replying, I'm not going to answer it tonight or any other night, she said, twisting her full red lips in a way that Alma had learned to dread. Mischief was ripening in Anna's brain when that twist was out. What do you mean? asked Alma anxiously. Just what I say, dear, responded Anna with deceptive meekness. Poor Gilbert is gone, and I don't intend to bother my head about him any longer. He was amusing while he lasted, but of what use is a bow two thousand miles away, Alma? Alma was patient, outwardly. It was never of any avail to show impatience with Anna. Anna, you are talking foolishly. Of course you're going to answer his letter. You are as good as engaged to him. Wasn't that practically understood when he left? No, no, dear and Anna shook her sleek black head with the air of explaining matters to an obtuse child. I was the only one who understood. Gil misunderstood. He thought that I would really wait for him until he should have made enough money to come home and pay off the mortgage. I let him think so, because I hated to hurt his feelings. But now it's off with the old love and on with a new one for me. Anna, 
you cannot be in earnest, exclaimed Alma. But she was afraid that Anna was in earnest. You don't mean that you're not going to write Gilbert at all. After all, you promised. Anna placed her elbows daintily on the top of the rocking chair, dropped her pointed chin in her hands, and looked at Alma with black, demure eyes. I do mean just that, she said slowly. I never mean to marry Gilbert Murray. This is final, Alma, and you need not scold or coax, because it would be a waste of breath. Gilbert is safely out of the way. I'm going to have a good time with a few other delightful men in Exeter. Anna nodded decisively, flashed a smile at Alma, picked up her cat, and went out. At the door, she turned and looked back, with the black cat snuggled under her chin. If you think Gilbert will feel very badly over his letter not being answered, you might answer it yourself, Alma, she said teasingly. There it is. She took the letter from the pocket of her ruffled apron and threw it on the chair. You may read it if you want to. It isn't really a love letter. I told Gilbert he wasn't to write silly letters. Come, Kitty. I'm going to get ready for prayer meeting. We've got a nice, new, young, good-looking minister in Exeter, and that makes prayer meeting very interesting. Anna shut the door, her departing laugh rippling mockingly through the dusk. Alma picked up Gilbert Murray's letter and went to her room. She wanted to cry, since she could not shake Anna. Even if she could have shook her, it would only have made her more perverse. Anna was in earnest. Alma knew that, even while she hoped and believed that it was but the earnestness of a freak that would pass in time. Anna had had one like it a year ago, when she had cast Gilbert off for three months, driving him distracted by flirting with Charlie Moore. Then she had suddenly repented and taken him back. Alma thought that this whim would run its course likewise and leave a repentant Anna, but meanwhile, Everything might be spoiled. Gilbert might not prove forgiving a second time. Alma would have given much if she could only have induced Anna to answer Gilbert's letter, but coaxing Anna to do anything was a very sure and effective way of preventing her from doing it. Alma and Anna lived alone at the old Williams homestead ever since their mother's death four years before. Exeter matrons thought this hardly proper, since Alma, in spite of her grave ways, was only twenty-four. The farm was rented, so that Alma's only responsibilities were the post office which she kept, and that harem-scarum beauty of an Anna. The Murray homestead adjoined theirs. Gilbert Murray had grown up with Alma. They had been friends ever since she could remember. Alma loved Gilbert with a love which she herself believed to be purely sisterly, and which nobody else doubted could be, since she had been at pains to make a match between Gil and Anna, and was manifestly delighted when Gilbert obligingly fell in love with the latter. There was a small mortgage on the Murray place, which Mr. Murray Sr. had not been able to pay off. Gilbert, determined to get rid of it, and his thoughts turned to the West. His father was an active, hale old man, 
quite capable of managing the farm in Gilbert's absence. Alexander McNair had gone to the West two years previously and got work on a new railroad. He wrote to Gilbert to come too, promising him plenty of work and good pay. Gilbert went, but before going he had asked Anna to marry him. It was the first proposal Anna had ever had, and she managed it quite cleverly from her standpoint. She told Gilbert that he must wait until he came home again before settling that. Meanwhile, they would be very good friends, emphasized with a blush, and that he might write to her. She kissed him goodbye, and Gilbert, honest fellow, was quite satisfied. When an Exeter girl had allowed so much to be inferred, it was understood to be equivalent to an engagement. Gilbert had never discerned that Anna was not like the other Exeter girls but was a law unto herself. Alma sat down by her window and looked out over the lane where the slim wild cherry trees were bronzing under the autumn frosts. Her lips were very firmly set. Something must be done, but what? Alma's heart was set on this marriage for two reasons. Firstly, if Anna married Gilbert, she would be near her all her life. She could not bear the thought that someday Anna might leave her and go far away to live. In the second and largest place, she desired the marriage because Gilbert did. She had always been desirous, even in the old, childish play days, that Gilbert should get just exactly what he wanted. She had always taken a keen, strange delight in furthering his wishes. Anna's falseness would surely break his heart and Alma winced at the thought of his pain. There was one thing she could do. Anna's tormenting suggestion had fallen on fertile soil. Alma balanced pros and cons, admitting the risk. But she would have taken a tenfold larger risk in the hope of holding secure Anna's place in Gilbert's affections until Anna herself should come to her senses. When it grew quite dark, and Anna had gone lilting down the lane on her way to prayer meeting, Alma lighted her lamp, read Gilbert's letter, and answered it.